day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor and I'm coming to you today from my studio in northwest Sydney, hard locked down and this is history because today we're doing something we've never done before, Hunty. That's right. What is it? I'm in my place, Ed, you're in your place. That's right, we have two little studios here. I'm sitting right in my front room and if I can describe it, I can see a couple of cameras. I've got the TV lights on and sitting beside me, a couple of uh, computers on the table and sitting behind me, well beside me, is a 60 kilo dog. Don't you love it when you can work like this, hunty? That's right. I can see because I actually got a camera in your place, and I'm sitting. <laughs> I'm sitting in my salubrious address in Grantham Farm in my radio studio. And actually, let me let me just tell you something. <laughs> Old King Kong there. That's what I call hunty today. Has a brand new chair, and he's feeling pretty good about yourself, aren't you, mate? Cost me a lot of money. Forty dollars <laughs> on Facebook Marketplace. But it's a great big leather lounge recliner. Recliner, yes. Oh, man, oh, he's living nice. at ease. But we are in two different studios, eh? Yeah, we're COVID safe today for sure. Yep, we're at least, what, a kilometre and a half apart? At least. And so we're just praying furiously that the technology will work. Otherwise, if it doesn't, you know what will happen, Hunty? I'm going to have to ring you on the phone, maybe. You'll be left alone, brother. Because oh. <laughs> I'm actually, this is, our ministry is really a television ministry, not a radio ministry. It we is. keep saying that week after week. Yeah. I don't know whether that's an excuse for the radio program we're putting out or not, Hunty, but we are television boys. Well, that's we're, why. we're not, we're not used to radio, but if I go offline, Hunty's about to become a DJ all on his that's own. That's right. So it'll be a, deb- a debut from Andrew Hunt because we're just not allowed in each other's houses, no, are we? That's right. I mean, we are locked down tight. Tight. Really, really tight. I think, what are we allowed out to do? We're allowed out to go and do some exercise. Exercise, essential pharmacy and doctors. And to go and get some food. Yeah. And even with the food, what you're getting it delivered, aren't you? Yes, I've been getting my Woolworths delivered for a while now because of my, my very sick wife. So f- I, don't risk, yeah. I don't risk going to the shops for her. In fact, we're about to follow in your stead. And tomorrow at 3 o'clock, we will take our first delivery from... Uh, Woolworths or Coles, I think it's Coles this time. Very good. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. want to welcome you all to our program, though. Wherever you are over Australia, whether you are free and living free, and I'm thinking Queensland, Victoria went free today, Tassie's free, South Australia, are they free yet? I don't know. I know um, Western Australia, they've been free for years, uh, Northern Territory. <laughs> Queensland, they're free, man. Really? Here. And New South Wales, uh, they've been... Regional New South Wales has been let out of lockdown today, I hear. That's nice. But we here, I think we had 170 or 80 viruses today, and they're very worried. And yet, I look at it, Hunty, as we begin our radio program today. We complain and we worry about Australia with 180 or whatever it is we've got daily. You know, in some countries in the world, they're experiencing thousands a day. Yeah. And they're having more deaths than we have viruses. So we're still the lucky country, aren't we? Yep. And we've got a good program for you today. Have we? We do. Can I share who's coming up next? Yep. Fingers crossed we've got an old favourite, Pastor Harold Harker. He has a fascinating story on Columbanus. 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 That's right. 
Uh, we'll be hearing from uh, Pastor Terry, who's in charge of the Adventist Church for Actually, the area. I've got some questions to ask him, Hunty. Yes. And they're on COVID. Wow. And what I want to do is I want to ask him, I want to ask him some questions about the the church and how the Adventist Church sees COVID, and, and I'm going to ask him some tough questions, actually. Nice. I think oh, I hope I've still got a job after this. <laughs> and I've also got an interview with Dr. Rob Dennis. Yeah, he's going to talk to us about Should be water. Good. Should be good, yep. Very important subject. So we want to welcome you today. We're so glad you're here. May God bless you, and may you see just a little window into Jesus and how beautiful he is. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is the third time, Hunty, that I have played this song. Oh, I just love it. Hang it's on, before, we, before we play a song, I thought we should maybe do the new segment. Ah, so that's what happens when we're doing live radio. Yeah, yeah, we're apart. And I've got the run sheet. Have, you don't. I haven't got. I have got the run sheet. I just haven't got my glasses on. <laughs> And I didn't see it. So let let's. Are we allowed to do this on live radio? Sure. Here we go. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're allowed to say massive muck up from Lloyd. Uh, that's one strike. Three and I'm out. Yes. Have you been watching the news, mate? Mate, I've, I've been um I've been working a lot getting all this technology going. So I haven't seen a lot of news, but but I am at least abreast of the uh, the main issues. Yeah, I've been watching it big time uh, over and over. Actually, just trying to keep up with. COVID more than anything, but I, I want to ask you, what, how do you react as a Christian? And I want you, we need to be careful how we talk here today, Hunty, on this okay. subject, because I, sure. I think there's people engaged pretty heavily yes. on both sides of this argument. Yes. But how do you react to the protests in Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney over the weekend? Well, now, now I'm talking, for those of you who don't realise, there are huge protests uh, in the three cities against the COVID lockdown, specifically against the COVID lockdown. Now, in Sydney, they say there's three, three and a half thousand people, but I've got people that I know who were there. That, Hunty, they're telling me 30, 40, 50,000 people were there. Wow. The, the, the crowds went right down the street and round the block. There's a lot of people engaged in these protests. How do you, though, Hunty, as a Christian, react? And I know we're asking you personally. What you're saying doesn't reflect the position of, of the church. No, of course It's not. just how you see it. Well, look, the reason we're locked down in New South Wales is because there's a virus, a COVID virus, and we're not vaccinated. So I personally think we need to stay locked down until there's at least a bunch, a herd majority, 70, 80% of us have taken the vaccine. Then we can unlock. Now, these protesters are, are protesting for freedom, and in their protest... They actually have put our freedom at greater risk. Now, don't me started on how disgraceful people acted towards our police force on the weekend. My son is a cop and he got spat on, he got bitten, and someone tried to light him on fire. I mean, I'm, I'm all for peaceful protests, but really... Uh, I'm, okay. I'm displeased uh, I, I can see I'm watching Hunty online here I can see his face yep, too I'm going red uh, <laughs> Yes he's going red I can see this is stirring him up It is, it is. Uh, What about the argument that the police were violent That they were brutal in their, in their arrests uh, Look I know a lot of police I have a lot of police friends They're of the highest calibre um, I would only imagine It would be the exception And it would probably be provoked Okay, uh, what about the idea, and I know this is true, that there are people here who have who have businesses, they have children, they have families, they have mortgages to pay, they have credit cards to pay off, and their businesses have been closed down 
And they are going broke. And the few hundred or thousand dollars, it's not a whole lot that the government gives them. It's, it's just not sustaining them. And so in desperation... It is complete desperation. They go out onto the street and they protest. I heard one guy say, look, I would rather die on my feet than die in bed. And they're asking us to stay home and die in bed. At least give me a chance to feed my family. I mean, do you understand their their frustration and their anxiety and their fears? And what a disaster that is for them. It's, It's absolutely appalling. But look at the alternative. How many ICU beds do we have in Australia? 250? Approximately. No, two, about two and a half thousand. Two and a half thousand, sorry. Yeah, so yeah. in Sydney, there's probably, what, three, four hundred ICU beds and ventilators? Oh, there'd be more. There'd be probably a good, a good, good proportion, maybe up to half of those ICU emergency care beds would be in Sydney because it's a specialised medical area. And, so. and the places that have had COVID outbreaks, they can't, they can't even provide ICU beds and, and ventilators for people who are sick. If we unlocked, this Delta strain could have... Not hundreds, but thousands of people in desperate need of medical treatment. I don't think we can afford to flood our hospitals. By and yet you've, you've got countries around the world, Western countries, I'm thinking the United States of America, Britain, uh, parts of Europe, they have unlocked and they're just letting the virus Well, I, I think Australians, they have the same laws. Once there's been an opportunity for everyone to be vaccinated, like the US, then you can unlock and then people can have their choice whether to isolate or mask up or social distance, live or die. But look at the numbers coming out of France and the UK. 96% of people dying in hospital in France right now aren't, aren't vaccinated, and I think the UK is a similar number. Actually, in the UK, though, uh, I was reading the other day that those who are dying, 99.5% are unvaccinated. Look, look, we'll, we'll, we'll roll this, this little discussion up. One thing I okay. would say, though, is no matter where you are and what you're facing, our prayers are with you. Absolutely. We understand and we know these are difficult times. And I think we should pray for our governments, too, yep. as they try to make decisions in... In my lifetime, the most difficult times government and legislators have ever faced. These are difficult times. Hey, Hunty. Yes. What about the idea, just recently I see the federal government tried to pass, and this one, uh, it, it kind of ticked my interest because what you've got here is the federal government, it failed. They tried to pass legislation that said you can have $10,000 and spend $10,000 cash only. If you have $10,001 in cash and spend it, then you've committed a criminal offence and you can go to jail. Now, the reason I asked this question, I brought this news item up, is because at the end of time, the Bible, and we're going to go into this in this radio show in the not-too-distant future, where the Bible actually clearly says that governments will try to force uh, legislation upon the world that will, uh, for want of a better word, cause people to worship or think in a certain way. And I'm thinking, well, if they can get hold of our cash... That's a good way of controlling the population. Am I am I going too far on that, or do you think that's a reasonable conclusion? That's a very good conclusion. But let me think about who in this country would use $10,000 for a transaction. I would say it would be underworld, dark figures, drugs. I'd say the majority of people who are spending 10000 in cash aren't doing the right thing. Except I mean, I I've done it. I, yeah, I personally bought a car. Not the car I have now, the car before it I paid cash for. How much was that? It was twenty five grand. So you were, did you turn up twenty five thousand dollars cash? Did a briefcase. Well, did you go along with four briefcases? Just the one briefcase. <laughs> did it fit? Was it a lot of? Well, I was, I was get, a lot of notes. I thought I could get a better deal at the dealership if I had a briefcase full of cash. So I said to the guy, "I said, what's the best deal you can do?" And I said, "If I have a briefcase full of cash right now, and I opened it, and he said, as if he'd have a briefcase full of cash." So I said, "If I did." <laughs> What would you do it for? I mean, he knocked three grand off its side, but the briefcase and said sold. <laughs> but no, so, I look. So, 
I, I personally don't think that governments have the right to know if I want to buy diamonds or gold. Why should they have have information on what I'm spending my money on? Well, I think basically what they're trying to do is is get rid of tax fraud and oh, that's laundering true. of money. That's true. Yeah. Back to my first Anyway, point. we'll just have to wait and see what those what what happens. And this last one in Hungary got a couple of th- these are really interesting things today we're talking about on the news. I reckon. Yep. In Hungary, they're 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 trying to ban LGBT. Have I, have I got right, that right? <sighs> I had to look into that. It seems like the private Christian schools are objecting to the government mandating that. They, they have to accept te- teachings, etc. And I think the government's about to agree to pass a rule giving uh, private schools and Christian churches the right to teach what they want to teach. Is, is it I to think. teach or to hire or both? I believe the, the hiring is something that's sacrosanct. They have to hire whatever, whatever comes along, but I believe the teachings are what's up. At Actually, in there. Hungary... Uh, it is hiring and it is what they really, teach. Really hiring. Yep. So what the Christian schools, and the, the, they do it here in Australia too. It's not just Christian schools, it's Muslim schools and it's, it's schools that have certain um, perspectives on things. They want the right to hire people who are comfortable with what they teach and advance. They also want to teach in the subjects so a Christian school wants to in Hungary wants to teach Christian subjects. They want to hire Christian teachers. And so the EU, which Hungary belongs to, says, well, that's not how it is. You, you will teach the subjects, we say, and you will hire anybody without any what they call discrimination. Right. Uh, do you think that's a fair crack by the schools or do you think they should be forced to teach basically what the government says and or hire whoever comes along? Look, I fully support uh, equal opportunity for, for employment. I mean, I can't see why a maths teacher who's a, a Catholic or a maths teacher who's a Baptist, I can't see how the maths would be any different. To that's not how people. this works. It's a maths teacher that's gay. Oh, right. So that's, that's what this is talking about. Yeah, well, they'll be in trouble for sure. Well, they are in trouble with the EU. Yeah. And, and, and the question is, do you think that's right or wrong? No, I actually support uh, equal opportunity. So Hunty and I have a disagreement here because I actually believe uh, Christian schools uh, should be able to hire Christians who go along with their teachings and their beliefs. In fact, I'll go further. I think that's really important. I think that's what parents pay uh, for Christians, for their kids to go to, to go to a Christian school that preaches, teaches that. I also think that I'll go further. I think a Muslim school should be able to do the same thing. And I think a secular school should be able to do the same thing. So I think there's, there's no problem with that at all. But it's one that's going to be open. It's one that's going to cause discussion. It's certainly causing discussion in Hungary. And it could see Hungary getting tossed out of the EU. That's wow. how, how serious it is. And, and, you know, when I see these subjects, when I, when I see, uh, the protests and I see the desperation of the people, when I see government legislation, on things like uh, uh, cash and how much you can have and where you can spend it. And when I see the conflict between the Christian and the secular in our education systems, you know what it says to me, Hunty? Yep. Soon, very soon, we are going to see Jesus come. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Cool, those are some pretty heavy subjects, aren't they? Oh, indeed. And now, and now we can get back to the song that I preempted about ten minutes ago. It's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it is a great song from Andre Crouch. It's just a story. I hope you love this song. I, I hope you like this song. You know why? Because it is actually one of my very, very all-time favourite Christian songs. It's just a story from Andre Crouch. A story of Jesus Sounded like music in my back to the program today. Welcome. Thank you, Lloyd. It's good to be back with you. Now, you've been away a while and I've missed you. I always miss you when you're not on the, the program, but the, uh, it's more than just missing you personally. I have missed your stories. Well, these stories are great stories what people have done. And this one's a beauty. Colin Barnes, born in Leinster Island in 543 AD. Do we know much about Colin Barnes's childhood? We know a little about his childhood. Before he was even born, his mother had a vision and she talked this vision out with people who interpreted and they said, this son of yours is going to be a remarkable genius. And he was for Jesus Christ. Do you think the vision was from God? I believe it was, yes. Yeah, I think so too, because this guy actually grows up to be an incredible man. Was he well? Now, 543 AD, we're thinking this is 1,500 years ago. Was he actually well-educated back then? Yes, he was. In fact, Ireland was the education centre after Patrick in Europe there, and then Columbanus does the same thing when he moves across to Europe. He was very well-educated. He was studied in grammar. He studied rhetoric, how you can speak well. He studied geometry. But above all, he studied the Holy Scriptures. Okay, so he is well educated. Um, He's from Ireland. Yes. So when I look at Ireland today, I think... 
Catholic, you know. Just about everybody I know who comes from Ireland is Catholic. Now, I know there is a, a strong Protestant church in Ireland, but primarily the, the country is Catholic. So would it be fair to say that Columbanus was Catholic? No, he wasn't Catholic. He was of the Celtic church that was more like primitive Christianity. Okay, perhaps you'd better tell us a little bit more about the Celtic church so our listeners can get an idea of the movement he belonged to. Okay, the Celtic church, uh, I read a book that was written in 1963 and it said there were eight distinctives of the Celtic beliefs. They included a married priesthood. They included the observance of Saturday as the Sabbath. They loved and they supported the Ten Commandments of God and they had a belief in the literal second coming of Jesus. They believed you were saved by God's grace, and then you were baptised by immersion just as Jesus was baptised. You know, when I listen to you go through those uh, primary beliefs of the Celtic Church, I can't help but think, uh, in some sense, I am a descendant of the Celtic Church, because I pretty much believe everything that you just shared. That's right. He was a great guy, and the message, as I say, was straight from early Christianity. Now, let's go back to his education for a moment. You said he was well-educated, and you mentioned a a fellow by the name of Patrick just in passing. Uh, Columbanus went to Patrick's school. Can, Can you just share with us a little info on that? Well, Patrick believed in education and he started a number of schools. One was at Bangor and Columban, or Columbanus, as we say in English, he went there as a student for several years. So he was well instructed in the beliefs that Patrick had started of Celtic Christianity. Now, for those of you who don't know who Patrick is, we're talking St. Patrick, correct? Right. Yeah, I think the Irish will say he's the famous patron saint of Ireland. But So you're telling me that St. Patrick also, or Patrick as we know him, was a Celt, Celtic Christian too? Patrick came there with Celtic Christianity, early Christianity, uh, before the Catholic Church had missionaries from Rome and established it in Ireland. I find that incredible. So are you telling me that both Patrick and Columbanus and... Another fellow by the name of Columba. Columba was probably uh, the same time as Columbanus. Uh, Columba went up to Scotland, whereas the other guy went to Europe. But they both went through these schools of the Celtic Church in Ireland that Patrick had started probably 150 years before. Uh, are you serious that they were both Sabbath keepers? Yes, Um in fact, when Columba died, they said he died on the Sabbath and it was the seventh day of the week. That's incredible. That, that's that's almost lost to history, that story, isn't it? Correct. Um, and we might talk about that in, in just a little bit. So Columbanus has finished study in this famous school of St. Patrick's um, and, as you said, Columba went to Scotland. Where did Columbanus go? Because they, these guys didn't finish study and settle back in a, a safe place. What did he do? He went across to Europe to what was then called Gaul. It's the country now of France. And he became a missionary to France. Okay. So when he gets to France, the king, the king of France or or of Gaul, King Gantram, was he happy to see him or, or not? Yes, he welcomed him and he actually gave him a ruined fort in the eastern part of France near the Vosges Mountains. 
and he used that as the basis to start a school there for the people in Europe. So these schools, this school that that Columbanus um, opened, basically what would he be teaching there? Was was that to teach people the gospel or or what, what was that about? Well, they taught them local industries, but they also had the Holy Scriptures, which was the the centrepiece of all they studied. It was how you were saved through Jesus, and the Scriptures became the primal part, the the very main part of their teaching. So would it be fair to say that the... The Roman Catholic Church in the east, further east in Europe, is establishing itself at this time as the overarching church of Europe. But in the west, coming from the west, coming out of Britain, out of Ireland, you've got uh, Columba in Scotland and Britain, and now you've got Columbanus in Europe bringing the Celtic and, and dare I say, pre-Protestant but Protestant message to Europe. That's correct. He brought it as the missionary to Europe and it started to go right across Europe. He was as great a person introducing Celtic Christianity or primitive Christianity to Europe as Patrick was to Ireland and Columba was to Scotland. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Incredible story. How did the local Catholic priests and bishops, how do they relate to Columbanus as he turns up to France and he starts to preach, uh, for them, what would have been a fairly strange gospel? Well, what what they didn't like, it showed them up because these missionaries, Columbanus and his those who are with him, they live pure lives, totally different to what the local leaders were, and they were very industrious. They built up this old ruined fort, made a good school of it, then he established two more schools in France. And so they didn't like, here's someone who's coming to work and is teaching about Jesus, and their lives are without blemish. Okay, so they, they didn't just preach and teach the gospel, they lived it. No, right. And that that the people of France found that a very attractive thing. Did it have a big impact on France, his teachings? It not only impacted France, it impacted other countries through Europe as well. And in fact, uh, Columbanus then went to Germany before even there were Catholic ministry, uh, missionaries there. And so he, he introduced this belief into Germany and the uh, a king of that part of Germany, they welcomed him too because here are some very industrious, these would make good people if they would train their people like that. So he goes to Germany, he also went to Switzerland, is that correct? That's right. He started the work in Switzerland and he, they worked, he worked there for a number of years until he was about 70. Now, wouldn't that be time to retire, Lloyd? <laughs> I haven't reached 70 yet, but by the time I'm 70, I'd like to have a, a motor home and, yes, be moving around Australia, still still working for the Lord, but, yes, retirement. <laughs> so, well, so tell me, what, what did he do? What did he do at 70? Well, he left the work in Switzerland to a guy called Gaulus, or later he was called St. Gaul, and he yep. went over the Alps. You imagine walking over the Alps down into northern Italy as Lombardy, and he was 70 years of age. And the king of the Lombards, they welcomed him too, and they gave him the town of Bobbio. 
in northern Italy, just under those Alp Mountains, as his headquarters. Now, I want to ask you something, and this is a, a question without notice, but it just come to me as you're sharing that. I remember when we went to Europe together. Do you remember that? Sure. You took a number of us pastors over there on what was called a tour of the Reformation. Do you think Columbanus had any influence whatsoever on the Waldenses who came along hundreds of years later? Is there any evidence at all of that? Because Bobbio is pretty much Waldensi territory almost, isn't it's it? It's along a little bit from there. Well, let me say there was probably some influence because Bobbio became a headquarters. It had more books than any other place across Europe. It was seen as the place to go for education. Of course, the scriptures were big in their learning. It was their important part of it. And so, yes, Bobbio was the the light centre and probably the the Waldenses, they were touched by it as well. Yeah, okay. I wonder about whether there was a connection there or not. Um, I, I know the Waldenses were, were just starting to get go, go. Well, no, they were, it was a bit early for them, really, wasn't it, at that stage? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, got to get my history right here. Um, why is it then when you've got guys like, and this is a question um, I've often wondered, you've got guys like Patrick. Then you've got, and Patrick was the, the guy who went from Britain over to Ireland. It's a long story, but he converted the, literally the, the king of Ireland and the entire island to Christ right. into Celtic Christianity. Yes. Then you've got Columba, who goes up, and, and you and I have been there together to Scotland, to the island of Iona. Now, would it be fair to say that the gospel went from Iona out to, the Celtic gospel went out to all of Britain? It went to northern Britain because it came down to Lindisfarne, which was another centre in northern Britain. Uh, it didn't go down to the south of Britain as much because the uh, Catholics had put their missionaries in and they made their centre down there uh, in the southern part of England. And finally, there was the great conflict between the two at uh, um, where Ca- Captain Cook came from at Whitby and the Celts w- retreated northwards to Scotland, westward to Wales and sort of the Catholic Church took over most of England. Okay, so you, you've got Columba in, in Britain, you've got Patrick who, who, who worked Ireland for Christ, now you've got Columbanus who's gone to France, Germany... Switzerland, and now over to Italy, where I'm guessing he probably died, did he? Yes, he died there in 615, but he'd established Bobbio as the great Christian centre. In fact, it was said it had the largest book centre of the whole of Europe. Okay. Well, I find it interesting. Why then does the Catholic Church claim these three as their patron saints when they were so clearly Celtic Christians? In some sense... uh, the competition, in some sense, the alternative gospel to what Catholicism was offering Europe at the time. What's happening there? Well, if, if you can't beat them, you join them or you get them under you and you claim them. And this has been done of Patrick, it's been done of Columba, and it's been done of Columbanus, who were primitive Celtic Christians, but now the Catholic Church says they're part of our saints and they were monks. Well, they never trained in Rome, they were never monks, but they worked uh, for Christ in these areas. Let me tell you, here's something else 
uh, Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, just before he died, um, Colin Barnes was having such an influence across Europe and part of it right down in Rome. There were Sabbath keepers in Rome mm. and the Pope mm. was Gregory the First, and he was so mad that there were so many in Rome worshipping on Saturdays the Sabbath that he made out a proclamation, we call it a bull and he declared when Antichrist will come, he will keep Saturday for the Sabbath so he tried to say they were Antichrist there were that many people keeping the Sabbath in Rome early in the 7th century Actually, it's almost forgotten history, isn't it? The fact that this Celtic church, and not just the Celtic church, but then the Waldensi church and the Albanese's and and all these other pre-Protestant churches, Mm -hmm. they were the ones that kept the light of the gospel, the gospel that you are saved by grace and faith, that you are saved by faith in Christ alone. They're the ones who kept the gospel alive right through what we know as these very dark ages. Lloyd, you need to remember, they loved and they used the Scriptures. Now, the Catholic Church didn't let people read the Scriptures Mm. for over a thousand years, but here are these people preaching from the Scriptures and they're living the life that they preach. That was Colin Barnes. And the reality is that he, together with others, set up a church whose light was never extinguished. Correct. It never went out. There's a lot of there's not a lot of noise about this church about this movement, but the light never went out, and they have and were there the whole time advancing the message of Christ. Um, here we are in the 21st century in Australia. What do you think we can learn from the life of Columbanus, this wonderful missionary for Christ? Lloyd, when you look at what they were, where they came from, but the main key thought, how they revered the scriptures, how they preached it, uh, this, I believe, is the lesson for us today. We live in dangerous times too. We've not only got COVID and other things, but we need to have the scriptures which tell you how you're saved simply through Jesus Christ. And this gave them the power that they were able to bring so many people to a knowledge of the gospel. That, I think, is the message for us today. So the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. We should be reading it. We should be uh, learning from it. We should be taking notice of it. It should be our textbook for life. Amen. Thank you, Harold, for the wonderful story of Columbanus. I look forward to talking to you again soon about another great hero for Jesus. God bless. Bye now. See you next time. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You know what, Hunty? Yep. I think I enjoy interviewing Harold Harker as much as anybody. He's fantastic, isn't he? Yeah. As I'm listening to him as he tells that story, there were some amazing people in history. And one of the things that really makes them stand out, I think, is that they were genuinely people of the Bible. And I think that's something that's lacking in our culture and our civilization. The Bible's kind of been pushed back into a corner. It no longer holds authority. People don't take any notice of the Bible when it's what you should or shouldn't do or defining what is right and what is wrong. It's, it's like the Bible no longer has relevance. And yet, in my view, this is my personal view and I get that, I think the Bible is more relevant today than it ever has been. 
And it does define what is right and wrong, and it does define what we should and shouldn't do. And it also tells us about Jesus and how to get to heaven. And that's an important thing for me, mm. especially when you're 57 and you know your time's running out on this planet. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and so when I, I hear stories about Columbanus and, and you see how he took the gospel to Europe, he, he is one of the pillars that God used to take the gospel to Europe. You realize that the power behind what they had was not just their relationship with Jesus, but their relationship as it was rooted in the Bible. Wonderful, wonderful story. And, and I'm looking forward to Harold Harker as he shares more with us. Um, well, Hunty, how you going over there by yourself? Yeah, it's, it's a different experience. You're um, surviving? Yep, yeah, I'm thinking we should give our listeners opportunity to text us and call in. I mean, text well, us Well, are we going to do emailers. Aussie Pasta today? Yeah, well, I think we should still do the Aussie Pasta, Ask Aussie Pasta segment for sure. Yeah, well, why not? Um, so if, if you've got a question, and we hope and pray you do, uh, you can either text us or you can email us. Yep. Where would they do that, Hunty? Okay, text us on 0488-880-851 or email us info at aussiepasta.com. One more time, mate. 0488-880-851. That's texting. That's right, or info at aussiepasta.com for email. That's email, yep, yep, yep. yep. Okay, um, we hope and pray you do that. We do. Because we want to hear from you. Uh, I love it when we get these texts, when we get these emails in, people asking questions. Love it so much. Look forward to it. Don't mind when I'm stumped. I was stumped last I, week and I've got to come up and answer for um, that. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, we've got a couple of curly ones. <laughs> Some are coming in already, are they? Yep. Oh, praise the Lord for that. Let's listen to a song, The Holy City, the Holy City from Jason Cork. <laughs> Last night I lay sleeping There came a dream so fair I stood in old Jerusalem Beside the temple there I heard the children singing And ever as they sang Methought the voice of angels From heaven and answering Methought the voice of angels from heaven answering Jerusalem, Jerusalem, lift up your gates and see No longer rang Hushed were the glad hosannas The little children sang The sun grew dark with mystery The morn was cold and chill As the shadow of the cross arose Upon 
Pastor Terry Johnson back to our show today. He is the president of the Greater Sydney Conference and one of the leaders of the church in Australia in the South Pacific. Welcome, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Lloyd. What a pleasure it is to be back with you. Always enjoy being on your show. I wanted to get you on because I actually wanted to get the feeling and uh, the sense of where the church stands with this COVID outbreak here in Australia at the moment, which seems to be blowing up. Um. Anyway, I, I wonder if I could just ask you a few questions. Yes, please. Um, does the church believe COVID-19, the actual virus, is real? Yes, it does. The church has actually had quite a lot of its scientists and its medical professionals across North America and around the world. We have one of the largest health systems privately owned uh, who have been actively involved in doing research on COVID and have uh, identified it as a true virus. 
Okay, well, I'm glad to hear that. I guess so because um, there are a lot of us out here who have relatives and friends who have already died of COVID-19 and it's it's a little hard for us to understand sometimes when you hear other Christians uh, regularly, especially on social media, even going to the extent of saying COVID-19 is, is not real and yet we've lost so, some people that we really do love and I know some of our listeners have experienced the same thing. That is uh, true, Lloyd, and we've also had some... Uh, losses around the world in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, medical professionals, particularly in Peru and Venezuela and Brazil. And India is, as you know, uh, been horrifically impacted. We've also lost folk in uh, Italy and in, in other parts of Europe, as well as the United States. Uh, it, it is clearly a virus that has more of a mortality than the common flu. Mm. And there is some evidence to show that it is on par with the Spanish flu of, uh, of the early 19th century in terms of its devastation. So it is something that we need to be very well aware of and that we need to um, ensure that we're doing everything we can to combat it. And one of the best ways to do that is through vaccinations and in combination with good health practices. It's interesting that the scriptures are very clear that when it came to infectious diseases, the book of Numbers tells us that God told the people of Israel that they needed to actually isolate. In fact, if you had an infectious disease, you had to isolate for the time that you had the disease and for a further seven days beyond that in order to prove that you no longer had the infection and then come to the uh, to the priest and offer a sacrifice uh, and in that process be considered clean again and be able to come back into into society this was good common sense and practice that god actually put into place we see it as common sense today but in the time that it was actually shared with the people of israel it was not common sense because most nations had no health practices in place and so when god put this in place uh, with the people of israel he was teaching them principles that we in Western society and other societies of the world have taken as part of gospel truth. And when it's implemented in a good way, we have seen excellent outcomes. And look, we have to acknowledge that here in Australia, our governments have done a pretty good job mm. of being on top of this virus, uh, and we have not suffered like other parts of the world. When we hear about the potential of up to 10 million people who have died in mm. India as a result of the Delta variant, and we can see in the last few days how the Delta variant here in Australia has spread like wildfire mm. in a country where we have significantly good health uh, processes yeah. of nationalized health care yeah. uh, we can we can only but imagine what countries like Brazil like India and other countries that don't have the same kind of national health care processes are having to endure well, it's true, and in fact, my wife is is from Jakarta. She was sharing with me the other day how a number of uh, Adventist pastors in Jakarta itself have passed away, have died, and so it's very serious times. I noticed you you mentioned vaccinations there. Um, I'm wondering ab about vaccinations. Does the church support or recommend vaccinations? Yeah, absolutely. The church has always been in favour of uh, vaccinations, going all the way back to 1905 when Ellen White herself was vaccinated against smallpox. Uh, we have always been uh, uh, open to scientific research that shows the good that vaccination can uh, can have. And when it comes to the vaccinations uh, programs that are available, we do recognize that there are some questions that people have. And of course, uh, they should consult with their doctor and ensure that they've got the latest and best information available to them. 
Further to that, Lloyd, we do believe in free will and the right to make your own decision. So as a church, we've never told church members what they have to do or what they don't have to do. It's up to them to make that decision. But the Seventh-day Adventist Church, the General Conference in particular, has put out a statement advocating the usage of vaccination um, and also understanding that people have the right to make their own choice. So then uh, what is the view of the church, say, of if, if we recommend vaccinations, what's the view of the church, uh, read the anti-vaccination movement? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a complicated one. Uh, and of course, because we allow people to have their own opinion, uh, and hopefully they're doing good research, they, we, we're hoping that they make good decisions. Mm. I, I want to make one comment here that I think is an important one. And that is that we currently live in a time where we can see that Babylon, as it's listed in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, is becoming more and more prevalent. And I'm not now talking simply about a religious Institution. I'm talking here in the context of Babel being confusion. And when it comes to confusion, there is so much conversation in social media uh, and on networks that means that people are confused. What is the right decision for me? What is the right decision for my family? And we recognize that that is the biggest challenge that we have to face. So mm-hmm. let me just say that from a church perspective, we believe that vaccination is important and that it does make a difference. We believe that you have the right to make your own decision, and we would encourage you to research, not in a state of confusion, but from uh, sources that are uh, vetted, that mm-hmm. have integrity, and that are letting you know what the effect on you and your family can be if you are not vaccinated and what you can expect if you are vaccinated. And when we're talking to our other Seventh-day Adventist leaders in other parts of the world who are experiencing a huge impact mm. on the youth, the young adults, and the, the, the aged of their communities, uh, we can say that uh, they have clarity on mm. the need for vaccination in their countries, whereas since we've had such a minor impact to date, we haven't seen the impetus for the same the same result. Yeah, is there is there room in the church for both views on vaccinations? Absolutely, there is. And one of the beauties of being a part of the Seventh Day Adventist Church is that we value uh, conversation, dialogue, and conflict. Conflict is actually a healthy thing when it's done with respect for one another. And let me just state that Scripture gives us uh, a mandate. Blessed are the peacemakers. And so our responsibility as human beings is to be a peacemaker. And uh, it means then that when we're having a difference of opinion with one another, we have to respect the decision that the other person is making, even though we may have a very different point of view. And it's the way in which we engage with one another that differentiates from the confusion uh, that uh, the world actually has. So my recommendation to those that are having are, are working through this in their own time is to realize that uh, there will be some confusion, uh, that you need to show respect for the person that you're having the argument with, and that irrespective of the decision, God has called us to love them uh, openly, transparently, with integrity. Actually, 
you know, as you're talking there about Babylon and confusion, it, it reminded me again of the importance of those of us who claim Christ to be in a born again relationship with God that we have the Holy Spirit so deeply in our lives that we are getting direction, guidance and light from him in these confusion, confusing times of Babylon. So important. Absolutely. And there's a sense of peace that comes along with that, yeah. uh, Pastor Lloyd, that I think is second to none. I just want to read something from Scripture, which I think is also important in this conversation. And it's found in Romans chapter 13 and verse 1 and onward, which says, Everyone must submit themselves to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. It's verse 3 that's quite fascinating. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but only for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear uh, of the one in authority? Then do what is right and he will command you. And I think that this is an important principle as well, that while we may not always agree with our democratically elected uh, leaders, we need to be praying for them as they're trying to work their way through the process of COVID. And if they've got some mandates that do not impinge on our free will, our religious liberty, and our conscience, we should support by doing what they've asked us to do. So so does that mean you think Christians should or shouldn't go to marches if they feel... Say, say, say I'm, I'm thinking of the march we had last Saturday. Um, a lot of people feel really strongly about that. You know, they, they, they can't move around. I mean, we're, we're working out of three different places right now. Hunty's in his house, I'm in mine, and you're, you're in yours. Yes. Um, if you feel really strongly about it, though, as a Christian, do you think it, it is okay to, to disobey the government and go along and march in protest for your freedom? So that is a very loaded question, Lloyd, and one that I think that we need to be careful in how we respond to. And the reason I, I say that is that I do not know what the shoes of my brother and sister who have chosen to go and march, you know, how they're walking in their shoes. Some of them may actually be in deep uh, consternation because they've lost their jobs. Mm. They're not allowed to go and visit their families. And all of that has an impact on us as human beings. And so I, I would not presume to judge their motivations or to judge their rationale. What I would say is that you have to make sure that you're making your decisions based on the Word of God. And what the Word of God tells me in Romans chapter 13 is to be mindful of the regulations of those that God has put into a position of leadership. And while, again, we may have differences of opinion, we have to respect those and do it. Uh, do the conversation with full respect. My um, yeah, I think I think that that pretty much sums up where I'm at in terms of that conversation. Does that mean though you would encourage us when it comes to things like wearing masks when you go into a shop, uh, signing up to the QR code, um, making sure we social distance properly, not visiting our friends and having parties? You'd encourage us at that level though to follow along with the advice and the the laws now that the government has in place. Yeah, absolutely. We would say to you that uh, please wear the mask and and ensure that you're using the social isolation and do it not for yourself, but actually do it for the more vulnerable members of your community. You don't know whether or not your brother or sister has underlying health issues like uh, uh, pre-diabetes or hardened coronaries that can cause you to have an adverse reaction 
to COVID. Now, we recognize that most people are going to get COVID and have very few symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think one of the things that has occurred in the conversation in the last 18 months is that people have actually made this thing very fearful. And we need to avoid being afraid because the Bible tells us that we should not have a spirit of fear, but of boldness. And therefore, we shouldn't be afraid, but we should be cautious and we should be rational in how we deal with, um, with uh, the, the conversation that's occurring around COVID. And my, my statement would be that we consider, that we research, that we're rational, that we do the things that seem to be common sense, like isolation, uh, social isolation, wearing the mask, going and get, getting tested, none of which impinges on my freedom or on my religious freedom, but are just good common sense tactics which we can see clearly God actually instituted for the people of Israel way back in the year 1400. Uh, So it's a long-standing 3,500 years of good common sense, Lloyd. It is. Well, look, thank you for your time. I've got one last question. Yeah. Um, just a, and, and you kind of have covered this already, but a final piece of advice for, for Adventists and, and for Christians, for those of us who claim uh, Christ, a, a final piece of advice for us as we go through together this really what has been a, a long and a tedious and an awful pandemic. Uh, look, I agree with you. And I, the advice comes from Matthew chapter 24. The Bible is very clear that there will be a lot of things that will be occurring in the last days. And if we look around and we see the floods that are in Europe, the floods that are in China that have made the news, and of course the volcanoes and the earthquakes and this pandemic, all of them are there to remind us that these are part of the rumors of war and of war that will be happening before the last days of Christ's uh, of, of, the, of sharing the message in Christ's soon return. So my advice would be that we need to be going back to Matthew chapter 5 and looking at the be attitudes and let's be those attitudes in the way in which we treat and care for one another. And then go to Matthew 18. If we have a conflict with any one of our brothers, remember that we are to be peacemakers. And if we have an issue with a brother, go and speak with a brother. And if uh, that isn't resolved, bring another brother along. And if that's not resolved, bring a whole bunch of brothers and sisters along. And if it's not resolved there, treat them like a non-believer. And, that in, and what that means is, Treat them with so much respect and grace that they will want to become a believer of God. And I think, Lloyd, if if we had more people who were dealing with the situation with that kind of respect, we would not have the babble, the confusion that is occurring around the world as one politician stands up against another politician, one company stands up against another company, and hundreds of millions are dying as a result of the lack of proactive, healthy discussion. Mm. I think what I'm hearing you saying is love. Love each other gently. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your time, uh, Pastor Terry. God bless you as you leave the church in Sydney through very challenging uh, times that we live in. Thank you, Pastor Lloyd. It's always a pleasure to be with you and your listeners, and we are praying for you. May the Lord keep you safe. We've been praying a special prayer, Lloyd, and that is that uh, that God keep us like the people of Israel in the land of Goshen, yeah. that he puts his protective angels around our institutions, our churches, our people, and those who are listening, and that they will be blessed to be able to lift him high in the in the testimonies that they have about his goodness. Thank you. 
You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Well, that was a challenging interview, Hunty. You did great. I thought you nailed him. <laughs> oh, better not say that. Remember, he is the boss. True. <laughs> We've got to be very careful. <laughs> I actually wanted to find out from him um, where the church actually stood on some of these things. Yeah, because mate, there's so much. Jake, his answers were perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hunty's looking for a promotion. For a, uh, well, he's looking for promotion, Terry. <laughs> um um, no, I just wanted to find out what the church and what the admin of the church thought about this uh, COVID thing that's unfolding at the moment. I think we'll talk about that uh, in just a little bit, um, just a tiny bit more. But, hey, Hunty, um, how how the Aussie, are the Aussie pastor questions, are they coming in? Yep, yeah, absolutely, but we'd still love some more. Okay, so just remind us. Yes, please. Um, we love hearing from you because if we hear from our listeners – it gives us a great direction. We know we know where to scratch if we're told where it's itching. So here we go: zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email us at info at aussiepastor dot com. That again, so text us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or email us info at aussiepastor dot com. I have filled my mind by Reggie Smith. Reggie Smith, a mate of yours, hunty. Yep, from the United States of America. Remember, Absolutely. we got uh, Reggie and Lady Love Smith across. Um, to couple, our church what, times, five, yes. five or six years ago and we ran a concert and yep. uh, the church was just so full of people. They, they, these guys sing with Gaither. Yeah, Reggie does. So, yep. so, so they're pretty famous, but they're beautiful people. And this is a beautiful song from Reggie Smith, I Have Fixed My Mind. I have fixed my mind on another time, on another time. And here I mean to stand until God gives me more light. And
shall the Son of Man appear, the Son of Man appear, even so. Beautiful, beautiful song. I'll fix my mind on another time. And sometimes I feel like that, the way the world's going. Mm. You know, things are tough. We're being challenged. Jobs are being lost. There's anxiety and fear out there. And some of us feel it too in our own experiences. And we need to fix our mind on the fact that we won't be here too much longer. Jesus will come and we will go to live with him. And the pain and the sorrow of this world will be nothing but a Long lost memory. You know, Hunty, as I was uh, listening to Terry there, I couldn't help be impressed. Mm, mm. And you know what I was impressed with? Probably the same thing I was. Well, let me hear from you first what impressed you, because there's something that came out of that interview that which I think no matter what side of the argument you're on, you can take. But before I, I go to what I was thinking, what, what were you thinking? Uh, I just heard grace. I heard compassion. I heard equality, I heard love for fellow man. What I was impressed with was the need we have in this time of confusion where when you're online and you're on the internet and you're on your social media platform, you're just being bombarded from people from left, right, centre, up, down, behind you, in front of you, everywhere with different views on all these different subjects and when it comes to whether or not to take the vaccine, you know, this, this is my advice. You take it or leave it. Out there is Babylon. It's very difficult to know. It's, it seems to me that people have lost faith and trust in their government. They've lost faith and trust in science, in the medical professionals. I think they've lost hunting faith and trust in pastors and religion. That would be fair to say, wouldn't it? For sure. And, and if you're going to charge your way through the mess of Babylon, the chaos that's out there, I think it's come time for us to not only give our hearts to Jesus Christ deeply, 
but to also have a born-again relationship with him that is rooted and based in the Holy Spirit. Because when you have the Holy Spirit, he cuts through all the lies, he cuts through all uh, the disinformation, Mm. and he will, in your personal experience, show you what to do. He will show you the road, he will show you the light, and he will show you how to walk through the end of time. And you know what, Hunty? That includes also whether or not you should take a vaccination. Mm -hmm. We can listen to what Lloyd or Hunty or what the President says. We can listen to, uh, and I'm talking about Terry Johnson, we can listen to what what everybody on social media says and we can go one side or the other in our own wisdom. But our own wisdom, Hunty, is foolishness in this day and age. Yep. Most of us don't have the ability to cut through the darkness and the lies and we need the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Godhead. He will come to us if we ask for him and he will show us the way, even on this issue of whether or not I mm. should be vaccinated. For sure, for sure. That's what I believe. And, and that's what I got out of that uh, little conversation. We are living in Babylon and we need Jesus. There is no doubt we need Jesus to guide us, to lead us and to show us the way. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I know, Hunty, that I can kind of overdo this, but I I am keen to hear from you. I I want to hear a comment. I want to answer your questions. Aussie Pastor segment is coming up. I know we've already given you the number a few times, and I know sometimes we can multiply this and perhaps repeat ourselves too much, but it is important. And and, and I'm going to ask you one more time, Hunty. Just give us that number to text and that address to email. Sure, 0488. Double eight zero eight five one. That's zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. Or you can email us simply info at aussiepastor.com. Now we have a young pastor here in Sydney. His name is Anders Svensson and he is very gifted, Auntie. Mm, very. We haven't had him on yet, have we, for an interview? He's promised to come on and sing. He's going to come on and sing live. Interview and sing live. He promised that to me the other day. Yep. Have we got the technology for him to sing live and it sound okay? Actually, that's the reason he contacted me to help him purchase it. Ah, uh, okay. So we so have got the technology. He does, and we do. Yes. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have Anders Venson on soon live, but until then, this is one of his songs. He wrote it from his heart, his mind, his experience with Jesus. It's called "I Met the Savior." Anders Venson. <laughs>
want to welcome a good friend of mine to the program today. His name is Rob Dennis. Welcome, Rob. Hey, good to be here. So good to talk to another human being on the other side of COVID. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I know we've already spoken about this on the program today, but we've got Hunty in his studio over there in, uh, let's call it Western Riverston. I'm in the middle of Riverston, another studio. You're way up in the Blue Mountains somewhere. Yeah, I'm just short of the Blue Mountains in a little town called Kurajong, uh, which is actually the name of a little tree up We here. count that as the Blue Mountains. That's deep into the Blue Mountains. It snows up there, doesn't it? Uh, occasionally we'll see a little bit of snow, but not recently. Okay. Well, welcome to the program today. You've had an interesting life, but before we even get too far into it, you've got a strange accent. Where are you from? Originally from Southern California and uh, moved here in 2005. Uh, to be the head of music at Avondale University. Okay, well, let's have a look at your background a bit. You are a musician, I know that. Tell us about your music, and then perhaps we can move in to the area of the sciences where we're going to go in this little interview today. Yeah, I love to sing. Uh, I did some, some opera singing and some professional singing for about 15 years. Decided to give back to uh, to students and give them an idea of how to develop their talents but eventually god led me to be a science teacher again in uh, new south wales so i'm credentialed science teacher teach biology physics and chemistry and you're also uh, got a phd in music and a master's in leadership is that correct Yes, I did a master's in leadership, so I know all about how to armchair quarterback <laughs> in terms of uh, uh, the uh, running of schools, but I'm glad I don't have to do that like my father did. He did that. Okay, now years. before we get into the science, you said uh, you were um, teaching music and you actually ended up, ended up being the head of department at Avondale University in the music, is that correct? Yes, I was there for seven years. Did you enjoy that? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it very much. I was going to say, so you were teaching young people what? How to... How to sing, how to conduct, how to um, teach others, how to teach different instruments, um, how to run music groups, uh, how to uh, coordinate music tours and festivals. Yeah. Okay, okay. Do you play musical instruments? I know you sing, um, uh, and I've heard you sing, but do you, do you play? And he's a beautiful singer for our listeners out there listening too. Do you play? Yes, I uh, play the French horn, and I also play a little bit at the piano, enough to amuse and amaze myself. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd like to talk to you more about music, and we're definitely going to go there in the not-too-distant future. I want to ask you some really uh, what I think are important questions on music, but today we're going to your science background, and I want to talk about water. Tell us, uh, Dr. Rob, how important is water? Well, it's very important. Water has special characteristics. One, one of the things that is special about H2O is that it resists temperature change. That means that whenever you live next, next to a lake or uh, whenever um, you take a bath, that takes a while to heat up or to cool down that water, and that means that it keeps our planet more temperate in terms of its climate. That's why it's called the blue planet. Mm -hmm. So water is important. It yes, it is important in the weather systems. It drives our uh, um, our weather 
the trees uh, give up their water from the roots all the way through their leaves, and uh, animals drink water, and of course they deposit uh, um, their urine back in the ground, and of course we have water from runoff that goes into aquifers deep in the earth and is purified. But water is just all around us, and... uh, um, scientists have called it the great solvent mm. because it cleans almost everything. It is amazing water, isn't it? Uh, I, ha- I have a bore out at my farm. Did you know that? Mm. 80 metres deep. And it never, we can have, I, I've owned that place since 2008, we can have the worst of droughts and it has never run out of water, not once. And it's such a blessing. Now, back to water. Human beings, we need water. We know that. We can't survive too long without it. Where is water most needed in the human body? Well, the human body is made up of 60% water on average. Um, 73% is the brain and spinal cord, and 83% is the lungs. And the, the important thing about water is that when you're low on water and dehydrated, it actually affects your nerve impulses throughout your body. When uh, you're low on water, it actually diminishes your lung performance. And of course, when you're low on water, if you're an athlete and you're trying to breathe and you're trying to cool your body down, um, you can get very overheated and get uh, a heat stroke from uh, not drinking enough water, not keeping hydrated. So when you're out riding on your bike, because you're a real, you, you love cyclists, correct? Uh, you, you love cycling, correct? I love cycling, and if I don't do 200 kilometers a week, I'm pretty cranky. <laughs> Which is a lot of kilometers from an amateur cyclist like myself who's trying to make 100. When you're cycling, how important is drinking water to your exercise? Um, very important. I usually think of drinking anywhere between 500 mils and a liter of water every hour. And the reason that we have to do that is uh, our body, uh, in particular our midbrain, detects when we're thirsty, ah. and by that time it's too late. And it takes a full twenty minutes, full twenty minutes, for our body to receive that water from our stomach into the bloodstream. So when you when you're cycling, you must take two or three or four water bottles with you, do you? Usually take two. And usually uh, what I do is uh, drink through the ride as I feel dry and uh, try not to gorge myself, but just keep sipping through the ride. That's the best way to go. So if I don't drink water, if I don't drink, I ask this question because I've had a bit of a, I I think I've got a bit of a problem, uh, Hunty will tell you, I've got a bit of a problem when it comes to drinking water. If I don't drink water throughout the day, what does it actually do to me physically? Well, physically, it causes your kidneys to work pretty hard because you have things that you eat that you've got to get rid of. Uh, proteins uh, in that, that your body wasn't able to use, salts that your body wasn't able to use, um, and other, other molecules that are part of our food that we eat every day. And our body, our kidneys, do a balancing act 
to get those things reabsorbed into the body or to eliminate them in our urine. What about the argument, Rob, that um, there's enough water in the food we eat to satisfy most of our needs for water in the body? Is that true? No, it's not. Uh, The Mayo Clinic, which is one of the leading clinics on health and science in the world, has said that the uh, ideal consumption of water for a male, adult male, and this is any size, is 3.7 liters per day. And the ideal consumption for a female is 2.7 liters per day. And I think it's mainly based upon the size of the body and how much perspiration and breathing that a person does because you lose water through perspiration and breathing as well. So the, the idea of eight glasses of water a day, that's not enough. Is that what you're saying? Um, it's it's ideal to get close to, say, three liters, I would say two liters and three liters for the um, female and for the male. Um, the, the hard thing is that the kidneys, as they're the filter of the body. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't put water, the great solvent through the body in order to get rid of those um, poisons and also uh, excess nutrients the body takes on, then the body can become uh, very, I guess you could say, dirty like a filter. So if and, we, yeah, yeah. So, so if we don't drink enough water, uh, can we get diseases that are fatal? Yeah, yes, over time. That, that's the lo- that's the uh, the short answer. Uh, the long answer is um, a lack of water contributes to kidney disease. Yeah. Uh, a lack of water also water is um, the great thing to help our gastrointestinal tract. Uh, you know any sort of bowel movements, any sort of bowel. Uh, function for the human body uh, needs water to get it going and i have found just in practical experience that it's wonderful if you get a couple of glasses of water a couple of eight ounce glasses of water uh, straight away in the morning it's a wonderful way to get things going is it true that if you drink water you look younger yes and the reason is because dehydration particularly in your skin causes dryness of the skin it causes the skin to slough off yeah yeah so if if we keep more hydrated our skin will definitely look um younger should we drink water in the middle of you know through the night when we're sleeping um that's a bit of controversial thing um i if i am dry at night i will drink uh in the at night but the problem is is that if you drink at night your kidneys will process it at night and that means you'll be getting up a lot yeah so um there are some individuals who you know would say maybe give it a rest at night let the whole body rest if i haven't been drinking water and then all of a sudden i start drinking water um and and I find I've got to go to the bathroom, you know, a lot more than I was before. Does your body settle down and get used to you drinking water and you don't have to go as much or you just got to kind of have to get used to the yeah. idea that you're going to have to go to the bathroom more? 
No. Um, what happens is the body gets used to a yeah. set point. Not only is there a set point in metabolism, but there's also a set point in drinking water. And uh, there are, um, I have heard, uh, this is from uh, urinary tract yep. specialists, that the body can learn to ignore or, or um, what should I say, yep. moderate its need over time. So, yes, the body does self-regulate. And as after you've increased your water intake, then the body normalizes it and you become much more efficient with your bladder. Can you drink too much water? Yes. The, the short answer is yes. Um, as, a, as a performer, particularly a singer, um, I was advised that you go until your urine is clear. Yep. Um, but if you do that for a particularly extended period of time, the unfortunate thing is you lose a lot of salts in your body. Yeah. And the more salts you lose, you lose your osmotic or your balance within your cells. Yeah. So it's not a great thing over time. You can, in, in fact, what I've heard and read is that you can actually do as much damage drinking too much water. Okay. Um, can you lose weight drinking water? Does it help to lose weight? That's a good question for yes, me. It does because it helps take up that space in the stomach. But it is also important for you not to fill up on lots of water after, like if you've eaten a small meal and then you tank up on water. Water uh, gets in the way of the hydrochloric acid in the stomach oh, okay. and dilutes it and causes you not to be to digest your food so that's what i would avoid so, so how long after a meal before you drink again uh hour okay um Let, yeah okay okay uh and one last question rob about water uh can if you get sick say you get the flu is it a good idea to up your intake of water does it help to flush away the virus and the germs or is that just an old lady's tale um i would say no um uh, it does help the body deal with uh, temperature, fluctuations yeah. of temperature. So if you uh, often one of the symptoms of the flu is that you lose fluids through um, vomiting and um, through GI yeah. problems. But the truth of the matter is you've got to keep your fluids up because if you lose a lot of fluids, that causes you to have trouble regulating your body temperature. I, I know I said that was the last question, but I do this a bit, and you can do this on live radio. I do have one more. Does it matter, does it okay, matter whether I drink tap water or bought water? There are some people who would say that. I think it depends on where you live. Um, when there, for instance, where, where there are areas of bore water where there is high concentrations of iron or minerals in it, sometimes that can be hard on your kidneys. But generally speaking, um, when you're talking about water that is cleaned by the city, I think it doesn't really matter that that much you know there would be people who would argue with me and say oh yes it does matter and that they drink bottled water but the problem with bottled water just incidentally is that over time the plastic leaches 
and becomes the water becomes more acidic as it sits mm. in the plastic so you can end up with pretty serious problems just from drinking water mm-hmm. bottled water too well it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful wonderful uh, substance that god's created for us so i think what we we've come out of this interview uh convicted on us that we need to be drinking about three litres of water nicely spaced throughout the day and if we do we're going to be healthier, happier and uh, going to live life a, a lot better with it than we would without it so thank you Rob for coming and, and sharing with us today these little pearls of wisdom well, you, uh, you're certainly welcome, and, uh, and I know that if people will make that change, that it will avoid some serious uh, issues that might happen later on in life, and certainly our kidneys will be much happier. Well, thanks very much, and we'll see you next time. We're going to talk music next time, Dr. Rob. God bless. God bless you. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hunty, nice. more water, more often, two to three litres a day. Indeed. <laughs> I know how necessary that is. It is. He leadeth me by the Downing family. This is one of my favourite songs. the Downings family singing a beautiful song, beautiful. He Leadeth Me, He Leadeth Me. Hey, Hunty. Yeah. Guess what? It's time Ask for Aussie, Aussie Pastor. Pastor. Yeah, and there's plenty yeah. of questions too. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, I'm going to, I'm going to try again to give short answers. People like short answers, they like short sermons. So let's have a go. Okay, there's some curlies. Here we go. Uh, why yep. do you Adventists make such a big deal about the Sabbath? Oh, well, it's because we believe that the Sabbath is, uh, one, it is, it's, it's definitely in God's law. It's, it's in the commandments. It's, it's the fourth commandment and we're happy to go for all the other nine. But also, for me, the Sabbath's a big deal because it's time with Jesus. And when I have time with Jesus, I get healing. He builds me up and he helps me to go out and face the world again. And I cannot, I, look, I just cannot overemphasize how important time with Jesus is. Bible study and prayer every day, yeah, but we've only got so long. 
The Sabbath is 24 hours, Friday uh, sunset to, to Saturday night sunset. It's all with Jesus. It's so beautiful. I don't know how I'd go without the Sabbath. And it's not so much just the Sabbath. It's the Jesus of the Sabbath I spend that time with. So that's why we go on about the Sabbath over and over and over. It's time with Jesus. Nice. Okay, was Jesus alive before Bethlehem? Oh, yeah, definitely. Jesus is God. He has been alive. Go back into eternity. There is no time when Jesus has not been alive. I think it's Micah 5 verse 2 says he comes from the days of eternity. In other words, he has no beginning. It hurts the head, but that's Jesus. He is God. Okay, do I have to marry my girlfriend? No, I guess not. I guess that means, <laughs> I guess they're probably talking about whether they've had uh, intimacy. Whether, whether they're, 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 they're living with them or not. Probably. Yeah, look, if you're living with your girlfriend and you're in a physical relationship that constitutes marriage, you need to do one of two things. You need to work out whether you want to marry this girl or not. And if you do marry her, if you don't, then you need to let her go because she's not yours. And uh, you're going places that only a husband should go. So yeah. I think that's pretty plain in Scripture. Okay, uh, why is there so much violence in the Bible? Look, the Bible does not advance violence, but what the Bible does is it gives an accurate portrayal of what happened in history. And often it's what happened in history apart from God. And men themselves are violent. Men are violent. And and so if you're going to get an accurate portrayal of history in Scripture, you're going to see violence. But, But God is not violent. God is love. He's actually the opposite of violence. So even though there is violence in the Bible, it's not necessarily a reflection on God, it's a reflection on fallen man. Does that make sense, Auntie? Mm, yeah, well done. Um, yeah. Does, hey, um, hey, we're ripping through these, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we are. There's plenty. Does it really matter what I believe, or is believing in Jesus enough? Oh, that's a good question. If you believe in Jesus, then you're going to have a hunger for him. And if you have a hunger for Jesus, then you're going to go to the Bible. When you go to the Bible, the Bible definitely defines doctrine. In other words, what I believe, what I don't believe, how I should advance my life, what I should do and what I shouldn't. It's very important. So, yeah, look, it is important to believe in Jesus, but if you believe in Jesus, you have a hunger for him. only place I know to go where you can see Jesus undiluted is the Bible. So uh, does it matter what you believe? Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. Does Jesus remember my sins and is there a sin that God cannot forgive? Uh, two questions there. Mm. Jesus, if he forgives your sins, he says he throws them in the Bible. The Bible says he throws those sins into the bottom of the seas. Yep. and uh, The bottom of the sea. And, and, and we still can't really effectively reach the bottom of the sea. So he's, he's figuratively saying, I, I put your sins in a place where you can never go. Does he remember that? Look, um, <sighs> It, he's God. I guess there's nothing he doesn't remember, but he certainly doesn't count them against you. Does that make sense? Yeah, very good. Uh, and what was the second part of that question? Uh, uh, is there a sin God cannot uh, forgive? Yes. Uh, the only sin God cannot forgive is when you constantly turn back your the voice of the Holy Spirit when he comes to you through your conscience and convicting you. So if he's convicting you to follow him and you, you just constantly say no 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 he turns away eventually not because he wants to because he knows that no matter how many times he comes to you 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 won't follow him and so i don't like using the word give up but he does turn and move away and the bible does call that the unforgivable sin but we might need to study that a little bit further down the track auntie okay if god knows what i'm thinking and knows my needs why do i need to pray to him um because it's about relationship you can't have a relationship with someone you don't talk to. 
So if you want to have a relationship with God, you've got to talk to him, and he talks to you. And that's how you develop a relationship. Yeah, so yeah. to me, that that's just simple uh, gospel 101. If you want to know Jesus, you've got to talk to him, and so you pray. Yep. Does God still do miracles? I've been a Christian all my life and don't think I've ever seen one. <laughs> yes, God does miracles, and he does miracles all the time. The greatest miracle God does, and I don't say this lightly, is when he converts a secular heart to his cause. It is a live miracle. You can't miss it. So, yeah, God definitely does miracles. Does he heal people all the time? Uh, maybe we could do a whole program on miracles. Yep, and, love that. And God's healing. In fact, I'll tell you what, in the next three to four weeks, we'll do a whole program on that subject because it's a good one, Auntie. Why are you guys uh, so pro-vaccination? <laughs> uh, I know why me I Me personally <laughs> or the church? Me personally? That doesn't, doesn't say. Why I'm, because I, I, I'm, I'm pro-vaccination because I love people and I care about people and I want to see them live, not die. But when it comes to whether or not you choose to be vaccinated, that's your call. And it's a decision you should make with God through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, I am pro it, but I'm not anti those who are not pro it. Man, I've got people, Hunty, I've got people in my own family who are very strongly anti-vaccination. I still love them, and I yep. think they still love me. Yep, yep. Okay, uh, isn't it discrimination to say anyone who is uh, LGBTQI should be disqualified from Christian school employment? Oh, that's a big one. Isn't it discrimination to say someone who's LGBT should be discriminated from church school employment. Look, how do I answer that uh, in, in a short time? Christian schools are there to espouse Christian values and principles and teachings. It, it is as simple as that. But that doesn't mean the Christian uh, movement and religion is not open to everybody because it is. God loves everybody, hunty. Yep. There's no one he doesn't love and it's the Bible that defines what is and isn't sin, not us, not the church, not people. It's the Bible that defines that. And so if some of us are caught in this sin or that sin, God still loves us. Everybody, hunty, yep. everybody is welcome to the church. Everybody is welcome to experience God's love, God's forgiveness, and God's leading. I think when it just comes to Christian school employment, it's just parents with an expectation and perhaps rightly so that when they send their child to that christian school that they're going to receive a christian education as defined by the bible does that make sense yeah, yeah nice so no offense uh, uh, intended there to any group of people anywhere okay this next one is a comment and a question uh, i was not happy with what happened last week it was selfish and cruel to our police and it's from freco actually and if the government said no more sabbath would you protest march uh, would I protest March? No. Okay. Not on the Sabbath, not on anything for me. That's just, to protest March is not my way. Um, if the government said, oh, you can't worship on the Sabbath anymore, my protest would be to worship on the Sabbath. Does that make sense, Hunty? <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's my protest. I'm not going out on the street to protest and hold up placards. If you want to do that, God bless you. I actually don't think that's wrong. My grandfather fought in World War Two up in Papua New Guinea for your right to protest. But I'm probably with Hunty a bit on this. I remember what he was saying earlier. It is a bit foolish to go out in the middle of a, a pandemic and endanger yourself and everybody else and the police who I happen to support. Uh, so I hope that answers that question. Would I protest the Sabbath? No, I'd just keep worshipping on the Sabbath. There's my protest. Hey, you know what, Pastor? It's quarter past the hour. I think we should move on. 
Have you got any more questions? There's one more question. Yeah, do it. Moses had a near-death experience just before he took all the people out of slavery. Why was no one circumcised for 40 years while Moses was alive? I don't know about Moses' near-death experience. I'd have to look up, look that up. Did he have a near-death experience? I don't uh, know. I don't know. I, I don't know that. Mm. Um, perhaps they, you, whoever wrote this question out needs to um, define it a little better for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, why were they not circumcised in the desert? I'm going to have to go look that up. I promise I'll come back next week, Hunty, with some more on that one. Good. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, it's, uh... it, it's, uh, how many minutes we got left? We're going live here. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've only got really five minutes. Yeah, five or six minutes for the Bible study. We're going to, we're going to skip the Bible study. Yeah, hey, right. give us a sting, Hunty. Can okay. you, hey, let's put him under pressure. Can you give us a sting? In a second. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Oh, he's good, that hunty, isn't he? Uh, you were able to give us a sting straight. Hey, let's do a Bible study. I mean, we've got five minutes left. That's heaps of time for a Bible study. All right, mate. we'll drop a few songs, eh? No, well, no songs. Let's go straight, straight to, to the John. Bible study. All right. I, I, I think I'm going to go to a story today. It's a, it's a beautiful story. It's found in John chapter eight. Uh, it's about a woman caught in adultery. Some of you might know it. Uh, some of you may not. Let's get straight into it, Hunty, because we ain't got a lot of time. John eight verse one. Okay. Uh, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. Now, before we go any further, Hunty, yep. we've been there. We've been to the Mount of Olives. We have. And let me ask you a question. What's between the Mount of Olives and the temple? Uh, a valley. Yeah. <laughs> Would that be easy walking? Oh, not on a hot day, no. No. <laughs> it's a pretty steep valley. So, so Jesus is over on the Mount of Olives. He actually goes down and up. It's a hard walk. Yep. And he ends up back in the temple. You remember we went to the temple there yeah, in Jerusalem? Amazing. Well, it's not the temple now, is it? It's a Muslim... Um, oh, all that gold uh, on top is just sparkly in the sun. It, it was beautiful. Yeah, it, it's a Muslim mosque now, but it's still a temple site. You go there and it's amazing. This is where Jesus was. So it's right there that Jesus has this incredible experience with this young woman. Go for it, mate. Okay. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus... This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Okay, stop there for a minute, hunty. Yep. Remember we did the commandments last week on this radio show? Yeah, we did. And the seventh commandment was thou shalt not commit... Adultery. Adultery. So in a sense, the Pharisees were right. Yep. Adultery is wrong. It is wrong to sleep with another man's wife. But what they're doing here is they're using the law... To accuse this woman, well, why? Read the next text, okay, honey, verse they were, 6. They were trying to trap him, that's Jesus. They were trying yep. to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. So what they're doing is they're using the law to condemn this woman. And that's what the law does, Hunter. You do get that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. The law will condemn you. You look at the law, it tells you what your sins are, it tells you what you are doing wrong, and when you are a sinner, the law identifies you as a sinner, then because of your sins, you die. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't leave this girl to die. And remember, she is dragged before Jesus. She is naked. She is ashamed. Her life is on the line. They're, they're gonna, those Pharisees, happy to take her out and stone her. What does he do? Do you know what? Can you tell me what Jesus wrote in the dust with his finger? 
Well, let's have it. You, you, we haven't read okay. that yet, yeah. have we? Okay. Have okay. we read that yet? Yeah. Uh, don't know. Okay. But I'm guessing they're sins. Yeah, I was thinking that. And I, I like that guess, Hunty. Yeah, me too. But the Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote, but I'm reckoning they're sins. See, what, look what happened. Start verse 6, mate. Okay. And they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They yep. kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Don't you love that answer? I love it. I guess they wanted to stone her, didn't they? Well, they did, but, but they're trying to trap Jesus. They're actually, yep. She's just collateral damage. Yep. They're happy to kill her in their efforts to kill Jesus. You kind of get a sense of the evil of the wickedness of the Pharisees. Pharisees and yeah. your accusers, that's what we need to understand. The accuser of the brethren who is Satan, he's represented by these Pharisees. They're doing his work and he's still accusing people today. Mm. Then, go, go on, mate. then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. I like that, Hunty. I do too. When you go to Jesus and you ask for the forgiveness of your sins, the first thing he will do, and I love this about Jesus, he will get rid of your accusers. Praise God we don't need accusers. That's right. Now, this is the heart of the story now. This is where this story comes to a climax. Uh, verse 10. 10. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Don't you just love that story? I so do. And Jesus is saying the same to you today. I, I, I don't know about you, Hunty, but I see myself in that woman. Mm, me too. I am a sinner. Mm. I am fallen. I am dragged before Jesus. I am broken. I am wounded. And the world wants to take me down. And even the law of God is against me. It condemns me. It's an unbelievable story. And Jesus steps in and he defends me and he says, I love you, Lloyd. And I forgive you, Lloyd. And I'm going to give you another chance. You know, I reckon that woman, Hunty, knew them. I, I, I think the moment she looked up into Jesus' eyes, she knew she was saved. Yep. yep. And Jesus offers you that forgiveness today. What a beautiful God he is. One pair of hands 
put your faith into one pair of hands. Come to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Let him forgive you. He'll pick you up and love you when nobody else will. And he'll give you a second chance when no one else will. This is the Jesus I know. It's the Jesus I've met. Hey, Hunty. Yep. I've got a book here called At Jesus' Feet, written by a friend of mine called Doug Batchelor. It's a ripper. If you'd like this book free, I think we have how many? 20. We've got at least 25. Yep. I'm going to make sure whoever asks for one gets one. But how do they get this book? Uh, just go to our website, aussiepastor.com. Yeah, if you go to our website, aussiepastor.com, and there you'll see a, what are they going to see there, Hunty? Starburst, today's free offer. Yep, and just fill that in, and we will get this book out to you. ASAP, it's called At Jesus' Feet. It's completely free, totally no obligation, and it's going to open up to you the beautiful story that we studied at the at the end of our show today, and it is beautiful. You just We just shared with you my favorite story in all the Bible. When I came to Jesus, this was a story that convicted me. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we all need forgiveness. We need experience that that poor woman caught in adultery had. I pray, Lord, that you'll lead people to you. They'll experience you and they'll experience your forgiveness. Bring us all into that uh, wonderful relationship with you is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Lloyd Groleman. I'm the Aussie pastor and I love you. But Jesus, he loves you so much more. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 